Proverbs chapter 18, if you have your Bible, verse number 21. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let me see if this will work here. Ah, there we go. So tonight, I want to teach to you for a few minutes on the subject, what you say is what you get. What you say is what you get. A lot of times, we underestimate the power of our tongue, the power of our words. A lot of times, people don't realize that what they communicate is is uh, basically, uh, I, I like what, the way one preacher friend of mine says it, your philosophy is your prophecy. If you go around communicating ne negativity all the time, you sow negativity with your language, your tongue, your words, uh, then you reap negativity, amen? You go around uh, depressed and discouraged and disappointed and, and you sow seeds of disappointment or you sow seeds of discouragement into the lives of others by what you say, you reap that back. Uh, in other words, uh, birds of a feather flock together. You've heard that expression, amen? If you're that kind of a person that's prone to go south with your language, with the things that come off of your lips, you attract people of like kind, other people that like to wear a chip on their shoulder will find you and, and all it does is just builds a whole uh, negative atmosphere around you, amen. Uh, and so what you say truly is what you get and I want to I wanna focus for a few minutes on that thought. Okay, the big button. <laughs> so let's look at this verse now. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 11, by the way, if anybody knows how to get the heat turned off in here, because it feels like the heat's running, even though it says AC, it is hot in here. Uh, so if anybody knows how to fix that, you have my permission to excuse yourself and fix that for the rest of us. If not, we're just going to suffer for Jesus. Amen. I'll be brief. All right, Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 11. The Bible says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Have you ever had someone walk into your life and speak just the right word at just the right time? And, and it, I, it, maybe what they said was simple, but it was so lifting and so encouraging that it brought you out of maybe depression. It, it breathed new hope and new life into you have you ever come to church discouraged and left like you was on cloud nine because the holy spirit had a word that was fitly spoken just for you amen well do you realize that because every one of us have the ability to communicate that means that each and every one of us also have the ability to speak words of life that are fitly spoken into other people's lives. Amen? Uh, now, we don't just make these words up. We don't just create our, our own ideas and our own philosophy, but we find those truths from the Word of God. How many of you know that if you want to learn what to say, you've got to read what to say? Raise your hand. Amen? 
So how do we know what to say? Well, you've got to first study the book. If you want to find out what to communicate to others as to what God would have them to know, then you've got to become a student of the Word of God. We want to be found guilty saying what Daddy says. Amen? Whatever the Father would say, that's what we want to say. Jesus even said that whatever the Father instructed Him to say, that's what He said. Are we any different than Jesus? Are we any better than Jesus? If Jesus relied upon the instructions of His Heavenly Father to give Him the words to teach into the lives of others, why would we expect to operate any differently? That's why He gives us the... the, the person of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives so that we can hear the voice of God and have the prodding of the Spirit of God through His Word to communicate hope into the lives of others. Amen. And so we want to be that kind of person that listens to the voice of the Spirit to know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. Amen. And so I want to give you briefly, real quickly, some things that you need to know about words before you use them, okay? Number one, words are creative, and this affects the heart of men and women and boys and girls. Words are creative. We know that because God used his what to create the worlds? He used his word, amen? God created the worlds with his own words. And he also created us in the likeness of his image. That is, he gave us the ability to think, uh, to operate with a free will, to communicate, to have emotions and feelings. Amen. Uh, he gave us many of the characteristics of himself so that we could use him, our Heavenly Father, and our Creator as our example of how to think, how to act, how to communicate. Amen. And if God used his words to create life and hope into the lives of others, then he would have us to do the same. So first, the first thing you need to know is uh, that the right set of words can create light and life in the lives of others. Amen. The right set of words can create life and light. In the light of other, in the life of others, look at Psalm 119, in verse number 130. The Bible says this: "The entrance of thy words giveth light; it giveth understanding unto the simple." Amen. So we know that the entrance of the word of God is what gives light. If someone is living in darkness, then speak the word of God into their lives. Amen. If you don't know what to say to them, read until the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to you, and then you can go to them with that word, because God knows what word would be fitly spoken to that individual at that time. Amen? Uh, but it's the word of God that gives light. All right? The Bible also says in John chapter 6 and verse 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. That is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that brings to life, is what that is saying. Uh, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words, this is Jesus speaking, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Amen. And how many of you know that your life is no richer, your, your physical life is 
no, no richer than your spiritual life. Amen. In fact, uh, what God is interested in is bringing life to your spirit because it is the spirit of a man that will sustain his infirmity. That is, if you're strong in your spirit, you can withstand a lot of things in this natural world because the Word of God is strong within you. Amen. But you watch people that get sick in the hospital or some people that get diagnosed with cancer. Some people, the moment they hear that they've got cancer, that's the day they chose to die. And it doesn't take them long to go down, and that's the end of it. But you show me people, uh, on the contrary, that when they get that news, they believe that there is hope. And that, and that they're fighters, amen. Uh, even statistically, it is proven that people who live with hope for tomorrow last longer and live longer and receive and heal better and heal quicker and survive longer than other people, amen. There's just something about our spirit that was meant to carry the weight of life. It is the spirit that quickeneth or gives life. And that's why the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone. That is, man shall not live by the things only that sustain this natural man or this flesh, like food and water and clothing, but by every word of God. Amen. Uh, you are a tripart, uh, you are a body, soul, and spirit. Amen. You got to feed your, you got to feed your body to stay alive physically, right? Your soul is that part of you that will live forever. It's your emotion, man. Uh, amen, and, 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 it, and you have a soul whether you're saved or not, but until you're born again by the grace of God, your spirit is dead, that part that connects with God. But it is the Word of God that brings that spirit to life. That day that you received Christ as your Savior, when you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit for the first time in your life, that was the Word of God opening your spiritually deaf ear to the truth of God's Word that connected you to the voice of God. And all of a sudden, the Word of God was quick. That is, it was, it was, uh, it was livening. It brought you to life. Amen. And so that's why you can't just live based on what your natural man wants. you got to live based upon what your spiritual man was designed to participate in. And that is God's word and God's will and God's plan for your life. Somebody say amen right there. And so we need to realize that it is the word of God that brings life and light. Not only that, but we need to understand that the wrong set of words can create darkness and death. Uh, time would not permit. I'm sure every one of us have a, a tale to tell of a time in our life when someone spoke negative words to us or about us that negatively affected the way we thought and the way we behaved. And some people overcome those things and some people unfortunately live with that shadow hanging over them for the rest of their lives. And, and, and I'm glad to say to you that you don't have to live by words of darkness and death that men have spoken over you when God has a different word for you. Amen. If somebody said that you're not going to be successful, somebody said that you're no good for nothing, I don't know what people might have said over you over your lifespan, but what you need to do is you need to find your identity in Christ, find out what God said His purpose is for your life, and realize that you live with the identity of Christ. Amen. That you are a child of the King, and God has come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And so don't buy into the lies of deathly words, dark words. But also, don't be the kind of person that's always speaking negative into other people's lives. Because especially young people are especially vulnerable to our words, aren't they? 
uh, there's, in their most formidable years, uh, you can speak one word of discouragement that will hang a shadow over their head for the rest of their lives. Or you can choose to take that moment and build them up and encourage them. And we've talked about that before. But understand your words can either create life and light or they can create darkness and death. Amen. Uh, here's the verse, James chapter 3 and verse number 8. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So we've got to be careful before we speak that we're speaking life and not death. Somebody say amen. All right, so what we're teaching on tonight, again, is what you say is what you get. So be careful what you say. Point number two, I want to say this. Words are controlling. Words are controlling. This affects the mind of man. And so many times we live within the confinement of words that have been shaped into our minds. That is, uh, words that have constructed our belief system. And that's why it's important to find out what God's will is for your life. And make your decisions based upon what God permitted you to do and not what men say you can or cannot do. Amen? Because uh, within your belief system are carefully constructed words that either God has planted there or the devil has supplanted there to try to throw you off your game and to try to control you. Believe it or not, words are very controlling. And that's why you need to carefully select what you permit to control you in your thought life, in your belief system. Many people today are under the control of Satan because they believe the lies that Satan has manufactured from his factory of death and deceit. Amen? I mean, he's got all kinds of lies and all, uh, with varying degrees of complication and and satan he don't have to have a whole lie all he has to do has have a partial line just dilute the truth just a little bit and and all of a sudden satan's manufacturing lies even on the fronts of many good churches that mean well but all of a sudden satan the the snake has slithered in and even started causing churches to question the very word of god that we claim that we love and that we claim that we preach amen and so we got to be careful how that we listen to the words of God and not the words of man or not the words of the doctrines of devils which ultimately words become controlling so whatever you believe is what you're going to act upon the Bible says faith without works is dead being alone you don't just uh, you don't just say you believe something you live on what you say you believe amen uh, don't don't show me don't tell me what you believe show me what you believe right R many people make choices such as uh, professing a lot of professing believers say this is just an example I'm not picking on anybody but this is just a very relevant truth in our church world today many people are under the belief that uh, that involvement in the local church assembly is no longer a requirement to their spiritual growth and development they believe that they can be as good a Christian as anybody else and never darken the doors of a church building. Where did they get that belief system from? Did they get that from the Word of God? Or did they get that from something else? 
I want you to think about this is just an example. We could give you many examples. I don't have time to. But somehow or another, something has slipped into their mindset, some, some set of words that they either heard or developed based upon their own personal preference, and they have preached to themselves and convinced themselves, and now they're under control of a set of words that do not adequately represent the truth and heart of God. And you can believe it or not, but words are controlling. So be careful the words that you allow into your belief system. Amen? Uh, number, the first thing you need to know about the, the controlling effects of words is this. The right set of words will guide someone down the path of life, peace, and joy in the Lord. Amen? Here's your scripture for it. Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path amen but not only that the wrong set of words will lead someone down the path of destruction the wrong set of words here's the scripture for it second timothy 3 6 for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive notice the phrase right there lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with divers or different lusts Verse 7 says, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Interesting verse right there. Verse number 6 shows us that they're being led captive. Verse number 7 says, even though they're being led captive, they're always learning. But they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So here we have controlling words where Satan is making sure that none of the right set of words of truth enter into the mind or heart of this individual so that he can maintain control over them. People think that words, you know, you ever heard the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? That is one of the biggest lies ever told humanity. If you don't think words can hurt you, do you realize that the superpowers of this world today use words and propaganda more than anything to control nations? to control governments and try to control you and me. Words are our most powerful asset in the kingdom of God. And why is it that we use words less than we do anything? Amen. Listen, we need, if anything, to break out of the box with the word of God, not keep it concealed and closed and hid behind closed doors. Amen. Well, I believe, preacher, if I'll just live right before them, they'll want, they'll want to learn all about my Jesus. Well, let me ask you a question. How many people have come to you uh, Mr. or Mrs. Spiritual and ask you how to get to Jesus based on your life, uh, lifestyle. Anybody? Any takers? Amen. It's not just your lifestyle. It's the Word of God. We need to be willing to share the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to properly represent Him. If you say that you're a child of the King, then communicate like a child of the king. Don't be condescending. Don't be cruel or rude or, or, or spiteful or hateful. Amen. Or, or pharisaical. But be uplifting and encouraging. Yes, speak the truth, but speak it in love. Amen. Because words are controlling. And even we, ourselves, as born-again believers, could be found guilty of being used as a tool of Satan to control others with the wrong set of words. If you don't believe me, remember when uh, Jesus looked straight at Peter in his eyeballs and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. But because of what Peter was saying, Peter was not speaking truth. He was speaking, he was letting the devil use him as a mouthpiece. 
And so uh, was Jesus saying that Peter himself was Satan? No. He was addressing that spirit under whose influence Peter allowed himself to become controlled by at that moment. And see, what the devil wants to do is use you as a mouthpiece for him. And he's so sly and so slick. He'll have you saying things and thinking you're right and deceiving you and, 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 and using your words to control people negatively or to divert the subject, to keep people away from the subject of the gospel. Amen. The devil don't mind you hanging out with people and talking to them about anything in the world as long as you don't bring up Jesus. Amen. And uh, how many of you have been, uh, I know I have, uh, went to visit somebody and it was so easy to talk about the weather. It was so easy to talk about the ball game. It was so easy to talk about that car they just bought. Or you could talk about anything and spend all day long and then when it comes right down to bringing Jesus up, you get tense. So, oh, Lord, I'm nervous. I don't know how to bring it up, what to say. You ever been there? That's because words are controlling, and Satan's whispering lies into your mind to try to control your actions to keep your tongue from speaking truth. Amen. So we need to understand that uh, people don't just need to be educated. They need to be enlightened and illuminated by the Word of God. You see, the Word of God doesn't just educate, it illuminates. It brings truth to an otherwise hopeless and dark situation, and it brings life where there is darkness and death. Amen. And so what you say is what you get. Now, point number three I want to do is close with this one. Words are also convincing. And this affects the soul of men. This really affects, uh, it can go so far as to affect where people will spend their eternity. Amen. I want my words to point people to Jesus. I don't want to be the one guilty of withholding vital information that might negatively affect someone's eternal destiny. Or, at the very least, might negatively affect how much hope they live with or without in this life before they meet Jesus. Amen? Words are convincing. The right set of words can convince someone of his or her need for God. Amen? And uh, Titus 1.9 illustrates that. It says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. You see, God wants us to become students of his word and to take that word and to be able to exhort and to convince others of their need for God. Not only the people that are lost that need to receive Christ, but what if we used our words to exhort, that is encourage and lift up and convince Christians that may be weaker in the faith to draw closer and to draw nearer and to get more involved. Amen? So many times the church is guilty of kicking people while they're down instead of speaking life into them to bring them and elevate them a little bit. Amen? And we don't want to, we don't want to use our words. Uh, to, you know, sometimes we act like the judge. Judge not that you be not judged, the Bible says. And there's two, two forms of judging in the Bible. Can I give this to you quickly? There's judging, which is discerning right from wrong. And then there's judging, which is placing a final verdict upon. Only God in heaven places the final verdict on anybody. 
So when the Bible says judge not, he's saying don't be God in their lives. You don't know where they're going to end up with God. You don't know what God's doing in their heart. You don't know what God has planned for them. So don't dare play God in their life and make a final verdict over them. Well, there's no hope for that person. Well, I guess they don't love Jesus or they'd have been at church yesterday. Shut your mouth and quit acting like God in their life. You don't know what's going on in their life. Can I get an amen, church? Right? So discernment is discerning truth from error, discerning right from wrong, discerning or judging, making a judgment call based on a situation, looking into a situation where if you don't know the answers, the Bible says he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame to him. So if I'm properly discerned and I don't know all the information, I better just keep my mouth shut. And if I can't speak something good in their life, I don't need to say anything at all because I'm certainly not the one who knows all. Amen. So we can't just prematurely make conclusions because we're not God. God knows all the facts and God knows all the truth. What our job is to do is to introduce everybody to the truths of God's word that will lift them out of despair and draw them closer to Jesus. And then let the Holy Spirit do the convicting and let the Holy Spirit do the convincing and let the Holy Spirit do the changing. Right? We can't change anybody, and we're certainly not going to convince them to draw closer to God by, uh, by being condescending, right? Or, not, uh, or by being a Pharisee about it, right? And so uh, we've got to be able to exhort and convince them with the truth of God's Word. That word exhort is a big word. I wish I had more time to develop it tonight. But that's basically lifting up, uh, picking people up when they're down, instead of... Uh, Instead of telling them what they already know, that they messed up. You reckon they already knew that before you said, told them, genius? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself as well. Amen. We do it sometimes. Uh, when somebody has made a mistake, when somebody has sinned, when somebody has failed, that's not the time to investigate and to interrogate, and to intimidate. That's the time to exhort, pour oil into their wounds, put bandages on them, nurse them back to health, tell them you love them, you're praying for them, you're supporting them, and using the word of God and the hope of the gospel to tell them there's hope for tomorrow, and your, uh, and your mistake does not define you. That was a moment. That wasn't a person. Amen. And you build them up and say, look, you can overcome this. You can be better tomorrow than you were yesterday. You don't have to let this define you. And you speak life into them, and you exhort them even when they're down, and especially when they're down. Amen. And so also I want to say this, the wrong set of words can convince someone that he or she is okay without God. Look at this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is, excuse me, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, a lot of people uh, believe they're okay, either because they were told the wrong thing about God or they wasn't told anything else about God at all. It would probably shock us how many people right here in this community have never darkened the doors of a church and have no clue about who Jesus is or what he came for. 
And I want you to think about that. The our words, are they hid to the lost? And are they hid because the devil's trying to blind their minds or are they hid because we never told them to start with? The devil ain't the only one hiding the gospel. God help us to expose to this world as much as possible the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I will make no apologies for every effort I make to broadcast the gospel through any means necessary. It's because everybody needs to hear about Jesus. I wish I could, I wish I could have the whole world for an audience, but since I don't have the whole world, I'll take what I get. Amen? And I'll encourage you to do the same so that God can use us all to, 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 to declare the gospel, to declare the hope of the word to this lost and dying world. Amen? I appreciate you working on that. I don't know if you helped or not, but uh, praise the Lord, we're about done. Amen? So, again, what you say is what you get. In review, words are creative. Words are controlling. Words are convincing. Be careful how you use them. Amen, church? And so here's my concluding thoughts tonight. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So remember this, words are like seeds. Whether they're life-giving or death-giving, they both reap a harvest. They both have effect. Amen? And once you say it, you may have been sorry that you said it, but you may never be able to take that seed out of the ground. Right? So, uh, you know, you've heard the expression, no need in crying over spilt milk. Well, the wrong set of words is not like spilt milk. Right? The spilt milk don't grow anything but words grow life or death so you better be careful how you sow right uh and this is something that you need to remember just as important as knowing what to say is knowing what not to say i want to say it this way just because it may be true don't mean that you have to say it in that moment and I've, I've been around people, and you have too, and I've been that person at one point in my life. And, and if God, the Holy Spirit, don't knock, knock me upside the head, sometimes I'm still able to do this. Sometimes I'll say things when it's not my turn to say them. When it's not my time to say them. And maybe that God wants somebody else to say it to them at a different time, a different place, when their heart's more receptive. Well, I spoke the truth. But just because it's the truth don't necessarily mean it was your job to speak it to him. That's why we started out with the word fitly spoken. The right word at the wrong time can produce a lot of damage in somebody's heart. You want Bible for it? Let me remind you of what Jesus told. And I, and I, I refer to this often in my preaching because it's a fundamental principle that's shaping who I am as God's servant. And I think it should shape all of us. He said to his disciples once, I have many things to teach you, but right now you're not able to receive them. So even Jesus didn't speak all truth to his disciples at all times. He chose the moments at which he knew their hearts were ready to be able to receive. And that's why only the Holy Spirit knows if and when we should approach someone. Uh, I, I appreciate some of you I've already had conversations with who choose the right moments and pray for the right moments to speak for the Lord in other, other people's lives. Very wise of you. Amen. Because uh, the Holy Spirit will let you know if and when it's time to speak, right? But sometimes 
we'd be better off to keep quiet until the Lord says, okay, now they're approachable. Now you can minister to them. Uh, I found that this is a, a very important principle, especially if you've just gotten a heated debate with somebody or you're having conflict in relationships. Uh, conflict resolution is never uh, brought about by contention and strife. The Bible says a word, the Bible says, uh, Lord, bring it to my memory, uh, that uh, grievous words stir up anger, right? A soft answer turneth away wrath, grievous words stir up anger. That means that if you're, if you're going to speak right now and you're going to be grievous when you speak it, then that's not the time to speak. Wait till you're cooled off. Or better yet, wait till they're cooled off. Amen? And then when you can speak softly, tone of voice makes a big difference. This is good relationship advice. Amen? You husbands, you know better than to call your wife and raise your voice at her. Amen, men? Praise God. You don't want to do that. Because uh, you will find that you will be met with equal and greater force. <laughs> uh, that doesn't help. And that's, that's an example. But uh, just because somebody needs to be, well, praise God, I told them. Well, did you do it in the spirit of love or was you just mad? Be honest, as a pastor, i got to keep my own spirit in check sometimes because I get heated about some things sometimes. I, I'm... I, Y'all know I'm an emotional uh, preacher. If I'm not careful, uh, my emotional man can take over my spirit man. And I can be mad about something, and I might be approaching it biblically, but I might have the wrong attitude about it. You remember Moses? God said, speak to the rock, but he smote the rock. He communicated the message, but he didn't do it the way God told him to do it because he had a bad attitude. He forfeited going into the promised land. You see, so timing is everything. It's not just important to know what to say, but sometimes we've got to, Lord, if I speak right now, I will sin, so help me not to say a word. <laughs> Amen. First uh, Peter 3.10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Who knew words could be so powerful? God did. Amen. For when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. Hebrews 5.12 teaches us this. Uh, when you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, or the things that God has spoken. And are become such as have need of milk, not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is obeyed. That tells me that you can be speaking the truth but being unskilled with it. You may be saying the right things in the wrong spirit, making pro improper application to profound truth. Amen. So you've got to get on the meat, right? Be, the Bible says strong meat belongs to them that are full age. That's why it's wise if, if you think somebody needs to be addressed in the church uh, and, and you're a new convert in Christ, take it. Hey, look, take it to the pastor uh, and or the deacons and never, never accuse anybody of that two or three witnesses. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. But if you think somebody needs to be addressed and you're a newborn babe in Christ or if you feel like you don't know enough Bible, uh, leave it to somebody that's been in the Word and that's led by the Spirit. Amen. It says, But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised 
to discern both good and evil. That tells you, and uh, did you see that? Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. That tells you that the experienced ones have better discernment. That's why the Bible says lay their hands suddenly on nobody. Don't ordain anybody just quickly, just because they just up and got saved and they look like a go-getter for God. Don't just throw them out there to the wolves yet. They need to be trained. They need to have some time and experience. Amen? And, uh, and, and that's one of the things we've got to be careful with with new converts that get saved and they're on fire for God. We want to fan their flame, but we don't want them to run and zeal without knowledge. We want to equip them with proper knowledge, and we don't want to rob their zeal in the process. So if we can have a good balance of both zeal and knowledge, then we'll be skillful with the word, right? And so this is what serving God properly with our mouth looks like. You ready for it? Say amen. Here it is. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto how many men? Does that mean that there are some people that are exceptions that we can be a little bit rougher with? based on their personality, based upon their demeanor, based upon their attitude, based upon whether they're saved or lost or right or wrong. Are we gentle to just some people or everybody? There you go. Able to teach, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing in, in meekness. They may say amen. In meekness, quiet, humble spirit, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God... Peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. That's how we properly serve God with our words. Amen. So what you say is what you get. Careful how you say it. Amen. Father, thank you for the word tonight. We bless your name. We pray that you'd help us to live by these principles that you would help us to be careful with our tongues, for they are in a wet place where they are easy to slip. May you be glorified in everything that we both do and say. In Jesus' name, amen.